That's what this work has given me is the ability to see myself. And when you do see yourself and love yourself and accept yourself, that's an invitation to everyone around you, not only to love you and see you, but also to do the same for themselves. From To Be Magnetic, this is The Expanded Podcast with your host, Lacey Phillips. As the leading destination for neural manifestation, we dispel the woo-woo in order to help you create real, tangible results based on neuroplasticity, psychology, epigenetics, and energetics. Our goal is to normalize the practice of manifestation and empower you to get into the driver's seat of your life in order to manifest the experiences, relationships, and things that most align with your authenticity. Part of our manifestation process entails expanding past your limiting subconscious beliefs. Therefore, by tuning into this podcast with interviews from experts, thought leaders, spiritual teachers, scientists, and those with neural manifestation success stories, you're starting the process of expanding your subconscious in order to see to believe that anything you desire is possible. And by pressing play, the process begins. Welcome back to another process episode, which is where we showcase one of our pathway members who have gone on to manifest something extraordinary or big within their life. May it be career, home, relationship, financial. This has become one of your favorite podcast segments that we have, as we can tell by the numbers. And one commonality that I want to make that you'll begin to recognize each of these pathway members share in common from past episodes to new is that not one of them simply dipped their feet into the work or flirted with it. They went all in. I've been able to see this recently with my dad who's doing the work. They sort of touch in, don't really do the DIs, do it once in a while, skip around the workshops without finishing them. Whereas what you'll listen to with each of these episodes, these are the people that started with how to manifest, moved into shadow, moved into inner child, did all of the workshops, listened to every one of the supported classes, which is our once a month class where Jessica and I go through in the pathway answering members' questions. And then they've gone on to listen to every podcast episode. That's what you will hear from each of the pathway members that we share on this. And not because we're only picking people who do that, the ones who actually manifest the big things, they go all in. And not only that, but once they've gone through the work, and they get a baseline of it, they make it their own. So a past guest, Heather Whitaker, you heard that in the deep imaginings, she started out with them, listening to them, and they weren't as effective to her. So she figured out her own process that when she walks on hikes, she talks the prompts aloud. So she'll listen to them in her earbuds. Once she's heard the prompts, she then goes and talks out what's been prompted until she gets to the block, and then she reprograms it. And you have to imagine, even as you're walking and listening, you're in a hypnotic state because your brain, your conscious mind isn't flying around. You've now gone into an alpha or a theta. So 
That's what you'll also find in commonality with these members. They make it their own. They don't stop when they get a roadblock. They actually figure out their own way through it. Today will be no exception. So I'm going to kick it over to my co-host, Jessica Gill, who you've heard on the Explained episodes and the Process episodes, as she highlights another really exciting member within the pathway and how they've gone on to manifest something extraordinary. Welcome back to another episode of Expanded. Today we have an incredible process episode for you with Isabella. Isabella's story is fascinating because she is an incredible manifester. She was almost skeptical of the work and made her list so specific and so sort of out there in order for her to really believe that the work worked. And she was able to manifest an incredible partner with everything on her list that she was later to find out he was manifested out of ego. And even though the manifestation came through, it wasn't the aligned relationship for the long term, but it gave her that trust muscle to know that she was in communication with the universe. So then she went on to manifest a move to her dream city, the home that she wanted down to a T. She even manifested being in complete lack, like living every single month on credit card to credit card, unable to pay her bills to now making five-figure months in her career and making a huge career pivot. So she's a real testament to when you double down on the work, when you get intentional, when you get specific on what you are needing from life and you're not fucking around anymore and you really know that it is time for you to heal those things and step into your deservingness, the universe will co-create and it will flow with you. I know you guys are going to love her story. She's got that fiery sort of Scorpio energy. And I really love talking with people who have Scorpio in their chart, A, because I have Scorpio moon, but B, because that Scorpio energy is like the best friend you want to have who's going to give you that encouragement and reminder of how much you are worthy of whatever you desire. You can tell in how she spoke to herself and how she was moving herself through this process. And it just reminds me of talking to other friends of mine who have that Scorpio energy who are like, hell no, Jessica, you're doing this. You're going forward in that. And it's a really nice refresher when you're feeling in that low self-worth energy. So she has great reminders there and tips on how to coach yourself with that energy. So I know you guys are going to love this. Without further ado, here is Isabella. Today I have with me here Isabella. Welcome, Isabella. How are you doing? I'm so good. Thank you so much for having me. So as you probably know, we start off the podcast with your primal triad. So what is your sun, moon, and rising? I am a Scorpio sun with an Aquarius moon and a Sagittarius rising. And I have five major placements in Scorpio. So very heavy Scorpio energy. How does that present for you? In the past, just being totally psycho. And <laughs> <laughs> but now, you know, I, I feel like 
you know, they say that Scorpios are one of the most powerful signs and that's why they're so self-sabotaging because what would the world be like if Scorpios didn't self-sabotage? So now, you know, I, I feel a lot more balanced in it. I can have more of a sense of humor when I am being a crazy Scorpio, you know, when things like the full moon just make me feel nuts. But I definitely feel the blessings of it too. You know, I really was able to delve into this work and not be afraid of the many, many personality and ego deaths that came out of it. So I think it really lent really well to doing this work and to just being able to have that courage to really go for it. And the Sagittarius rising helps a lot as well. Love that. So what is your cultural background and upbringing? Yeah, so I uh, grew up in Orlando, Florida, which was really magical. We went to Disneyland or Disney World, sorry, pretty much every week, at least once a week. We went to the beach every week. We had a boat. And my mother is Brazilian. I'm a Brazilian citizen, so we spent a lot of time in Brazil as well. My father is first-generation German-American. And so how was that having family from all over and having tons of family in Brazil and connecting sort of all of those cultures? It was interesting, you know, because I grew up where in a situation where my family was not near me. I only had my parents, which is pretty alienating. There's also, you know, like with my dad's family moving from Germany right after World War One and moving to the U.S. actually during the Great Depression, there was a lot of scarcity mindset that I needed to reprogram. I mean, enormous amounts of scarcity mindset, enormous amounts of trauma that came with that. While taking one of Alexis Smart's flower remedies, actually, I, I actually communicated with my great grandfather who moved from Germany by himself to the U.S. and you know, he told me how guilty he felt leaving his family behind. And he actually left his kids behind because he couldn't afford to bring them until years later. So we really processed that together. And, you know, as far as the Brazilian side, it's like so different than the German side culturally. I don't know that it's necessarily a very compatible mix. My parents got divorced. But yeah, it was such a blessing to spend so much of my childhood in Rio and to go down there and have such a huge family. And it's such a beautiful, vibrant culture. Like I said, you know, it was sad to not have that family near me, but there's a lot of baggage that comes with being Brazilian as well. You know, it's very much a cult of the body. I grew up surrounded by plastic surgery as a complete norm. So, you know, as I reached middle school, it was really hard for me to find the kind of woman that I wanted to be, which I don't think was very at least at the time, it wasn't very aligned with the conventional idea of being a Brazilian woman. And I, I had no expanders for women who had a healthy relationship with their body. I feel like that's true for so, so many women that when you really are like, who actually has a healthy relationship? It, you have to almost find fragmented pieces or people trying to work towards that relationship. A, because no one is perfect at it, but B, because there's so much societal pressure and programming and to look and be a certain way. So it's really hard to buck against that norm. Yeah. And, you know, when I was growing up, it was in the diet craze of the late 90s, early 2000s. So we were just as children constantly surrounded by South Beach diet, Atkins diet. Something I remember so clearly from being a child is that my mother's bonding with her friends was always over dieting and which diet they were on and, you know, which whatever, whatever. So something that I really had to reprogram was that I can have intimate relationships with women and I can bond with them in a way that's not based on self-hatred. You know, we don't have to sit around and talk about how much we hate our bodies. We don't have to relate to each other 
through our insecurity. And I, I really had to reprogram as well that plastic surgery was a norm because that's not, you know, no judgment to people who have done it. You know, Holly Madison is one of my biggest expanders, that that wasn't something that was aligned with me. And it was very much something that was encouraged to me from a young age. At what point do you feel like you awoken to that that wasn't your authentic body? Like at what point were you shifting from, oh my gosh, I feel like I need to be like this. I need to be like this to wait a second. I don't actually want to be like this. Why am I forcing myself into this path? I always felt a strong no. You know, I can remember being really young, uh, maybe like nine or 11 and noticing that I had cellulite on my thighs or what I at that age thought was cellulite. And my mom was like, don't worry, like just eat fewer donuts. And when you're 16, you can get some liposuction and also a nose job. And that just felt like such a no. When you're young, you can't articulate these things. But I had a sensation, I'm a manifesting generator. So I had a sensation in my body of just a strong no. But it's an unraveling process every day. We're inundated every day with the message that we're not enough, that we have to change, that pretty is the tax we pay to exist in society. And if we're not pretty, we're almost like failing morally and we don't deserve to be seen. We don't deserve to walk outside without makeup on. So I, I reprogram it every day. And yeah, it's it's just a constant process of having to shift that deeply embedded psychological programming that most of us women are facing because, you know, that's how they keep us small. Totally. And how did that correlate with other blocks for you? So sometimes, you know, because our bodies are such a safe haven for security, self-expression, safety, all of these things, you know, we tend to want to manipulate or change or fix or do things to our bodies in order to receive those things. So what sort of other blocks and did it block you, for example, in career or finances or dating? Like, where did you find that this also tied into other blocks for you? I mean, it's kind of, it's like the mother of all blocks. So all of the other blocks are related to it. You know, definitely around my fear of being seen again, I, you know, I had this deep programming that I wasn't allowed to exist as myself. And I wasn't allowed to exist unless I was going to conform to a certain standard of beauty and perform being a woman in a certain socially acceptable way. For example, you know, like, going out without makeup or just having my identity so wrapped up in how flat my stomach was or was not. So I think it really related to my fear of being seen, which of course blocks everything, right? You know, it was blocking my career. It was blocking all of my relationships, blocking my ability to have intimacy romantically, intimacy and friendships. It was kind of like a muffler was just put over my entire life. And talk a bit about, you know, kind of pivoting a bit to your career. So you're also a really incredible manifester, you know, manifesting generator. But you said when you had first crafted your list, even for a partner, you went so specific and had all of these things up to the point of like him, you know, growing his own tomatoes, which you later found out that he did. And it turned out that all of those things you wanted, even though you got them, weren't exactly what really lit you up. So talk about that sort of process a bit. So, you know, when we're running on these societal programmings we, or, you know, just even running on our trauma, which I definitely was, you know, my authentic self was not in the driver's seat of my life. And it's so hard to figure out what you want when you're, you know, being run by trauma and fear-based programming. So when I started this work, I started in February of 2019. The first thing I wanted to manifest was a partner. 
And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to write the most ridiculously specific list. My background is in the social sciences. So I was like, this is an experiment. So I, I made the most specific list I could think of. That way I would know if this actually works. It, it couldn't be things that would accidentally happen to me. You know, for my partner, I wanted someone who was six foot four, had a beard, tall, dark, and handsome, of Eastern European descent or had spent significant time living there because I had just moved back to the U.S. from Eastern Europe. An engineer who could work remotely, made a certain amount of money, passionate about travel, you know, all of these other things, politically on the same page. And I specifically said that I wanted him to grow his own tomatoes. And that was kind of like (laughs) the wild card where it was like, there's no way that this all will accidentally happen. If it actually happens, I know it's because of the work. So I was really hearing crickets and I decided, you know what, F this, I'm going to go on Bumble and just create my own tests because no tests were coming through for me. So I just treated every swipe like a test. And there were some tempting guys who were clearly emotionally unavailable who I just swiped left on. And I think he was one of the only people that I actually matched with. Immediately I was like, hey, I'm about to go to the gym, but let's talk real fast. And uh, we talked on the phone and he asked me out the following night. I had actually had a dream that week that this woman told me, you're going to meet your person before the full moon. And that Friday, I think was the full moon. And we went out for drinks that Friday. And then, you know, a few days later, we went on our second date and he was like, what are you looking for? I told him, he said he was looking for a relationship. He deleted all of his other dating apps. And, you know, from there we were seeing each other exclusively. And our second date, he took me to an Eastern European restaurant. I learned that his family's from the Czech Republic. He studied abroad there. I also studied abroad there in college. And I was like, weird question, but do you grow your own tomatoes? And he was like, (laughs) yeah, three varieties actually. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I, that was just kind of a wink from the universe. And we definitely had a shared passion for travel. So we ended up going on vacation to Mexico City together. He got violently ill, as people tend to. I spent the whole trip alone and I really reflected on that relationship and it just wasn't aligned. I I had focused on manifesting things that weren't actually things I cared about. Like I don't care if someone is six foot four. There was just a lot of superficial qualities on my list that were not important. So after a few days, that relationship ended. And, you know, part of the reason that I felt I needed to exit the relationship is because I was dealing with a really awful career situation. I was working for a dating startup as a matchmaker. It was super abusive. I had no space in my life for anything else. I was working like 16 hours a day, barely making any money. So I just wasn't in the place for a relationship, to be honest. And that kind of spiraled me into a rock bottom where I I ended up manifesting my new career path and my new business. I just want to point out a couple of things here. So a lot of times we try to get everyone to get clear on their authenticity right when they craft their list. But sometimes there's things that we put on our list out of ego or validation or all of these things. And we can still be manifesting those things. It's all part of the path to our highest good. So the fact that you put these things on, maybe they were just for validation or material things that you really actually didn't care about. They didn't align with your authentic core, your authentic needs, but you got the manifestation. Everything to the T came through, even the freaking tomatoes. So it's kind of like you needed that confirmation from the universe that 
hey, are we in communication? Like, is this real? Can I really lean on you and have this dance with you? And once you are confirmed in that, it almost like set the stage to teach you that it's possible for career or all these other things as you become more aligned. So even though like it didn't wind up being the partner, the fact that you were able to manifest in that way begins your sort of co-creation with the universe, you know? So I just wanted to point out for anyone out there, like you're not calling in anything wrong. Nothing's wrong. Like it's all on your path to the highest good. And there's just different ways of getting there. Yeah. I, you know, something I see in the group so often is people who manifested something and then don't want it or just have no idea what they want to manifest and they get really down on themselves and no, it's all part of the process. Like you said, this was opening up my channels of communication from the universe. And after that, we were totally off running. So what happened with the career, with the rock bottom? How did you shift into a completely different energy frequency with your career? Yeah, there's kind of two critical moments that really happened. But the first is after this breakup, I I did rock bottom and I just went in on the work to the level that I was able to at that time, because it, it was only maybe six months to a year after that, where I, I really went in on my trauma. But I just knew I had to get out of the job that I was in. It was literally killing me. You know, I developed adrenal fatigue. Again, I was working 16 hours a day. I was working seven days a week. It was so unsustainable. It was so abusive. There was sexual harassment. There was drama with our founder uh, on Anderson Cooper. You know, it was just like every level was causing me stress and trauma, re-triggering my trauma. And I also, you know, I I have a, a past history of dealing with narcissistic abuse. My mother very narcissistic. I dated a lot of abusive narcissistic men. And that was really triggering dealing with these very high profile clients who were just kind of treating me like their dating slave. And I had a very narcissistic therapist at the time who was telling me that I couldn't quit because if I quit, I would just be running away from my problems and I would just end up manifesting the same thing over and over. And there was just this voice inside of me telling me to quit. Like, no, you won't manifest the same thing. You have to get out of the situation. And yeah, I, you know, I told my dad, I was like, I have to quit. And he said, if you quit, you're going to end up homeless in your car and I'm not going to help you. Wow. So yeah, I was working with a hypnotherapist at the time and my higher self came, interrupted a session and came through and said, you need to quit by October 1st. That's non-negotiable or you will die. So yeah, it sounds dramatic, but like I was very ill at the time. I was having a lot of autoimmune issues and adrenal fatigue. I really truly felt like I was dying. And also a part of me that was so clinging to low self-worth was also dying. You know, my dad was like, you're going to end up homeless. And I just said, okay, I would rather clean toilets than work this job. I'm going to quit on October 1st. And I ended up having an expander come through, uh, a matchmaker who gave me some freelance work doing recruitment. So something that I was really good at as a matchmaker was finding matches, meaning I would go out into the world, you know, to events, online, social media, and find people who were interested in being set up on a date with our clients. So she ended up hiring me to do some freelance recruitment for her, and I loved it. So I just decided that I wanted to stay in the dating industry because it's a fascinating industry and it really hits close to home to me. Love being so important to me, part of my authentic code, actually. I just didn't want to do the client-facing work and I didn't want to work with a company that I felt was just so abusive and unethical. 
So I made my list that I was going to work as a recruiter or recruiting uh, matches for other matchmakers' clients. I had, you know, one day where I was just like, okay, I have to start applying for jobs. And I was looking at jobs in the matchmaking industry. And one stood out to me that was in Washington, D.C. I did not want to move to Washington, D.C. It was a matchmaking job. I had no desire to be a matchmaker anymore. But, you know, I'm an MG, so something in my body just told me to apply And I think a lot of people wouldn't have because they would have thought of it as a test, but I trusted my gut instincts and I applied. I had a call with them on, you know, like two days later and I just told them, listen, I hate cold weather. I'm not moving anywhere (laughs) further north than Florida. I want to be a contractor and I guess I can do some matchmaking for you, but I'm honestly a better recruiter. And they ended up creating a role for me where I could be a recruiter, keep working with some of the other matchmakers I was working with. And they, yeah, they let me work remotely as well, even though I, I think I was their first remote employee. And this was pre-COVID too, This was right? pre-COVID, yeah. So I told them I would not be moving. And then COVID happened and I ended up training a lot of their people to be able to work remotely. How did you support yourself in that period where literally your parent figure is pumping you with fear and scarcity? Your therapist is pumping you with fear and scarcity. Like, how did you harness that inner trust and communication with yourself during that time to finally make the jump off the cliff? Because I feel like so many people, when they're at that phase, it's really hard to know when's the right time for them to jump off the cliff to do these things. And it seems like the more people you ask for advice on it, the more options you're going to get. And so that makes the clarity even harder for that person who's like, I'm miserable my job. It's making me sick. Like, how do I know when to go? What if I don't have an FU fund saved up? How do you know how to listen to your inner self? Yeah. I mean, I did not have an FU fund. I was critically broke. Every time I tried to leave the job, something would happen, you know, like my AC would break, my cat would get sick. At the time, my apartment was infested with cockroaches. I mean, I was fresh off of a really hard breakup. I was being abused at work. I was so broke. I had no support. I mean, the universe really came through. Like I said, that channel of communication was already opened. So I just kept leaning into that and, you know, meditating and communicating with the universe. And I was I was getting messages and dreams. Like I said, I was being told that I was literally going to die if I didn't quit. So I just, you know, when I got to the rock bottom of, I would rather be homeless and clean toilets than be killing myself in this job, then it was kind of easy. But I did get mad at the universe. And I said, look, you sent me here. You can't keep torturing me and putting me through all of these horrible situations. I'm not going to tolerate it anymore. I need $10,000 in cash immediately and a new job by next week. And I did get the job and my dad's stockbroker actually called him and reminded him that he had invested some money for me when I was born that he had totally forgotten about and that it was now time to transfer to me. And at the time it was worth $18,000. So after I had that moment, yeah, it's, it's worth much more now. But after that moment, when I got mad at the universe, laid down my boundaries with the universe as well of what I was willing to do here while I'm on this planet. $18,000 and a new job came right through. I mean, incredible manifest. (laughs) What were some of the blocks and limiting beliefs that were coming up during this phase? I mean, if you had to say like, I was this person before believing this about myself and I had to transform that belief in order to step into this, what was that? Oh my God. I mean, I had no self-worth. I 
didn't even have no self-worth. I had negative 1 million self-worth. I hated myself. I just didn't like myself. I had grown up in so much abuse. And, you know, when you're a child of abuse, you don't learn to like yourself. You don't even learn neutrality. You just learn that you are a horrible person, that everything is your fault. That's the program that you're running. So obviously you're not going to have good relationships or a good job when you're running on the program that you are the absolute worst and everything is your fault. I also went to Catholic school, so I, I was just so riddled with guilt all the time. And I also think when you're a kid of divorce, you blame yourself for the divorce sometimes, and that leads to a lifelong <laughs> guilt. And I just was going through life apologizing for existing. And I, I think a lot of people listening probably wouldn't believe me, people who know me, but that's really how I felt inside. And, you know, I might've been good at putting on a mask and, you know, masking things with alcohol and Xanax and smoking ridiculous amounts of weed. And just, you know, I have that Sagittarius rising, so I can definitely be like, the life of the party and the clown. But inside, I, I really just did not like myself. So this work was a process of unraveling all of the false beliefs that I had been taught to believe about myself, you know, through my abusive childhood, through the, you know, abusive relationships that I had been in. One really big one was my ex told me when I broke up with him that the only reason he loved me was because I'm manipulative and I tricked him into loving me and that no one would ever fall for that again. And if I broke up with him, no one would ever love me again or be in a relationship with me again. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it was it was heavy. And last year when COVID happened, I ended up taking a few weeks off. I was doing inner child and things just got too heavy. And I had to take, I think, like two weeks to a month off to pursue professional help because I couldn't do it on my own. I really love that you said that because I think when you're going through a lot of this work, whether it's the TBM work or any self-help work on your own, when you have a history of abuse and people that are around you that aren't supportive and loving and are manipulating you in ways that it's really important to also lean on professional help because sometimes it can get so overwhelming and the clarity of, okay, what's right, what's wrong, how do I navigate? You kind of need like a nurturer to help you walk forward and support you on that. So we always recommend if the work gets too heavy to do it alongside with a therapist. So yeah, for anyone out there, there's no shame in that and very highly recommended. Yeah, I worked with an amazing hypnotherapist and that was critical for me because it works so well with this work too, but it was critical for me to have that nurturing and validation from someone else because when you're unraveling that abuse, uh, you really do hate yourself and you need someone to look at you and say like, you have no reason to hate yourself. This is, and give clinical words to what you went through so that you know that you're not alone in what you experienced. A hundred percent. What were some of the things that, like if you were going through inner child, did you create magnetic parents? Did you parent yourself? Like what were the ways that you were combating this, you know, your worthless limiting belief that's lying there? Yeah. So the first time I did inner child, I really only dipped my toes because it was so triggering. And it was too triggering to use my parents as my magnetic parents. So I let my mind create its own magnetic parents. So bizarre, the things that our subconscious mind creates. But that worked for me maybe the first one or two times I went through inner child. And then once I had peeled enough back that I was ready to dive in, then 
I created the magnetic versions of my own parents. And that did make a big difference. That's when things started to really take off. Interesting. So you had basically the versions of your parents if they were not expressing trauma, essentially? Yes. Yeah, totally. And part of this process was really critical for me was understanding the trauma that my parents had been through. I know I read the book, It Didn't Start With You, which is about ancestral trauma. And that that was huge for me to be able to see my parents as traumatized human beings that did not have the tools that are accessible to me now. I love so clearly too how you took it all in steps. You weren't like, let's fix it all in one. But even just hearing, you know, I went through inner child twice with my magnetic parents, like that's a lot of time. That's a lot of dedication. That's a lot of neural reprocessing. So you did that twice before you could even think about bringing your parents into the mix. And you also have to imagine, okay, what would be their highest version of self had they not experienced the trauma they had experienced and how would they have shown up for me? So it's a lot of steps, but all so necessary and all so important to take your time to move step by step through the process. Absolutely. And when I was on the outside kind of looking into this work, I was like, holy shit, how the fuck am I going to do all of this? It just felt so heavy. There were moments where I just felt like I would I would never get out of the trauma. I would never feel alive. I would never like myself, let alone like feel neutral. And I just took it day by day. But the thing is that I consistently did it every day except for the times where I needed a break to seek professional help. But I just kind of saw it as, you know, if I just take a little bite out of it every day, it might take three years, but it's going to be so worth it to come out on the other end. I think that's something we see so often with a lot of our members is that the people that are having such profound shifts are the ones that are coming back to it consistently. Yes, maybe they might need a tiny little break here and there, but they're reprogramming, they're going through the journal prompts, like they're embedded in the work. They're also understanding their own energetics. Like you start recognizing your own patterns. You're like, oh, when I do this, this happens and I get tested here and this is a test for me. To someone else, this might not be a test, but for me, this is a test and now I know how to navigate it. It kind of gives you your own blueprint. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think a lot of people hate themselves. I don't think I'm the only person that's experienced this. And when you don't like yourself, you don't have intimacy with yourself. But once you start to understand your own patterning, and once you start to see these triggers more clearly, then you can start to develop intimacy with yourself. And I think that's the first step towards self-love. I mean, I did everything to stay away from myself. I saw my mind as the enemy that was torturing me. I saw my body as torturing me because it wasn't skinny enough. It wasn't blemish proof. I just, I felt at war with myself. I actually have a tattoo that says I have a war in my mind that I got when I was 18. Cute. Um, (laughs) And that's just totally how I felt. I was at war with myself and it was manifesting through horrible relationships, autoimmune disease, poverty, you know, there were times when I had like $60 in my bank account. So, you know, I'm a very logical person. And, you know, part of hating yourself is you want to stay out of your emotional world. So I was very logical. And as I started to see, okay, here's this trauma that I I suddenly remember from my childhood. Here's this thing that like my mother said to me or my ex-boyfriend said to me, then I could sort of have compassion. I think especially when you're going through inner child, your inner child 
feels almost separate to you. So it's easier to have compassion for the inner child when you're incapable of having compassion for your current self. So that was the entry point through which I was able to start experiencing myself as a full human being, as opposed to something that needed to be controlled and punished and silenced. So I'm quickly interrupting this episode to invite you if you're ready to start your manifestation journey, or if anything you've heard in our manifestation episodes has piqued your interest to begin. We have a la carte workshops in everything from the basics bundle, which is what we recommend to everyone who starts. It's the formula that actually teaches you how to manifest, unblocked inner child, and unblocked shadow. We also have a la carte workshops on love and money. But the real gem is the Pathway membership because it encompasses every single workshop we have. It's a year-long membership with full access to the few a la carte offerings we have and exclusive workshops not available anywhere else, such as the daily practice, which is what everybody in the Pathway uses, hopefully at least three times a week to daily in order to truly create the new neural pathways that one needs in order to manifest and houses the library of our deep imaginings, which is our unique hypnosis process that allows you to get into your subconscious and overwrite those old neural pathways, creating the new ones. You can use our special code EXPANDED, all caps, E-X-P-A-N-D-E-D, to receive $20 off your first a la carte workshop purchase or $20 off your first month of the pathway. Again, that's all caps, EXPANDED, E-X-P-A-N-D-E-D. Okay, now back to the episode. You had a session with Heather and you had your inner rebel personality archetype. Talk about how that showed up and you wound up giving them a raise, essentially. Talk about this whole concept. I love it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I started working with Heather last year after, in the midst of COVID, I had a really traumatic situation happen with a guy uh, while I was manifesting partnership. He was someone who I had been like madly in love with in college. We'd actually been roommates and there were many moments where I lingered by his door and almost entered. Um, So (laughs) for years since then, like, you know, six or eight years or whatever, I just been like, you know, he's like the one. And I had a dream right at the beginning of the quarantine that this girl was on the phone with him that we both knew. And she hung up the phone and handed me a piece of paper and said, so-and-so is going to text you on this date. And then in real life, he did. And he was like, let's hang out. So I, I had just finished love and I, I was manifesting partnerships. I was like, ah, this is it. And uh, it was not it. <laughs> Let me tell you, <laughs> it was awful. I thought we were doing like a quarantine date. And instead it was like a super inappropriately aggressive booty call that was so traumatizing. And it was in the middle of like the heart of quarantine. So we were actually under mandatory curfew. So I couldn't, once I realized what was happening, I couldn't even leave his apartment and I'd been drinking. So I was like, Oh, I don't want to like risk two felonies at once. So I ended up staying there overnight and I felt like I was trapped in a labyrinth of all of my childhood trauma. And he was just like saying and doing everything specifically 
it was like, it was so specific to my trauma that it was shocking. So after that, I was like, I need help and booked a session with Heather. I was so broken when I talked to her, but she really helped me to clarify more of what I was actually manifesting. Through that session, I manifested my move to Mexico, which is where I am now. And after I got here, we had a session. And then in this one specifically, I was working through inner child and I realized that something in my shadow is the bad girl. Like I was always in trouble as a child, obviously, you know, going through an abusive childhood, but also being in Catholic school. Like I was just a naughty, bad Catholic school girl. And I was like, man, you know what? I miss her. I miss the bad girl. She's actually awesome. She brought so much to the table. She had so much vision for her life. She was so rebellious. She was so good at calling the authorities out like she's actually the best part of me and I've silenced her and put her in my shadow when actually she should be running the show like she knows what's up she came here for this I didn't come to this planet to sit down and shut the fuck up and lose weight I came here to fuck shit up so I think I did subconscious integration or maybe it was the shadow reinforcing but I just imagined her in my shadow and then I gave her a promotion I was like I'm sorry, I fucked up. I shouldn't have silenced you. You're in charge now. You're running the show. And I promoted her. I gave her the job title Rebel Princess because I love Princess Leia. So she's she's Rebel Princess. She's running the show. And, you know, Heather knows that I do that. So now when we work through our sessions, we always find a part of my shadow that deserves a promotion. Like my laziness was promoted to Director of Rest and Relaxation. Oh, love that. (laughs) Yes. And since I gave her a promotion and since I started, you know, actually promoting my shadow, because it's my belief that our brain is very efficient in what it does. So it wouldn't create these identities for no reason. These identities in our shadow serve a purpose. It's just that by us trying to silence them, we end up perverting them into something that's self-sabotaging. But when we find what their essence is and give them permission to do that for us, they serve us in such a profound way as opposed to sabotaging us. So once I gave her the promotion, you know, things really started to flow. I became a lot more in tune with what I really wanted. So I left Playa del Carmen where I was living on the Riviera Maya and I moved to Mexico City. I started making five-figure months in my business every month. At the time, I was also doing the Unblocked Remedy. So I clarified my vision for my business and for my life. And since then, the manifestations have been flowing and I feel so much more aligned with who I am and what I came here to do. And you just manifested a big move too. Yeah, I just moved to Mexico City. I decided on a Sunday and I moved to the next Sunday. Wow. And that was such a dream for you too, given like you liked sort of that climate a lot better. You had fallen in love with it so many years later having visited. So it seems like such a full circle moment for you totally energetically full circle because when I was here in 2019, I was at one of the lowest moments of my life. I knew that I wanted to be here. Like it felt in my soul so strongly how much I love Mexico City, but there was just this voice in my head that was saying, no, you can't. And then at some point I was just like, why not? Why can't I? And then I just did it. (laughs) It wasn't that hard. I love that. How are your boundaries with family 
during this time? Because I imagine as you're, you know, giving a promotion to Rebel Princess, you're stepping into your authentic self more, you're navigating high self-worth for it sounds like one of the first times ever. How did that impact friendship, family, all of those things? Yeah, well, friendship definitely all of my friendships disintegrated pretty much, except maybe like one or two. And I, people, I, you know, I see a lot in the group that people are experiencing that as well. And it's frightening. And it was frightening for me too. And it really hurt me because I felt like there must be something wrong with me that I couldn't hold on to relationships. But then I just realized, you know, all of these relationships were built off my old identity of hating myself. And those things can't move forward with me because I'm not that person anymore. So Either these people need to adapt to this new energy or they're just going to be escorted out of my life. And I did not always handle that gracefully at all. You know, collective apology to all the people that I've ghosted in my life. But yeah, and once I accepted that most of my relationships were going to end and that was going to have to be okay, I started to call in people who actually saw me and actually showed up for me. I mean, it's like the most incredible feeling in the world to be surrounded by people who see you and are on the same wavelength as you. And I promise if you're listening and you're losing all your friends, like you're going to come out of it. It's going to be lonely for a while, but spend that time doing the work and, you know, planning what you actually want for your life and the friendships will fill in. As far as my family, you know, I had some great expanders. My cousin is gay and she came out of the closet and in such a big way, which is pretty challenging in a traditional South American family. And her attitude was just like, this is who I am. And if you don't like it, go fuck yourself. So that was really expansive to me. And I, you know, I, I kind of was the same way where it was just like, if you want to be in my life, you have to accept who I am now. My dad, after he had told me that I was going to end up homeless and I did not end up homeless, but had all those manifestations actually started doing this work. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. How is he liking it? What's coming up for him? I mean, definitely a lot um, of inner child stuff came up for him and he definitely had a rock bottom through the work as well, which I told him would happen because he was like so into the work that he did it all too fast. And I was just like, okay, you're going to give yourself a rock bottom, but whatever. Um, (laughs) And yeah, but it's good because now when I say that I'm going to do something dramatic, like I'm going to move to Mexico next month, the answer is always like, okay, you can do it, manifest it. I mean, that must be so incredible for you to hear that shift from your parent from fear to confidence and trust. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. And then talk a little bit about manifesting this Joe Dispenza retreat as well. Oh my God. Yes. I have been following Joe Dispenza since I was in college and You know, the work never resonated with me as deeply as it could have because I was too traumatized to hear it. So it wasn't until maybe a year and a half of doing this work and really working through a lot of that heavy trauma that I was able to understand his work. So I got back into it because I was, I think a lot of us were going through a really intense period of hypochondria and to the point where I was actually developing some physical symptoms. And I was like, you know what, if I'm creating these symptoms with my mind that aren't really real... I should be able to heal my body with my mind as well. You know, if one is true, the opposite must be true as well. So I got back into his work, which was perfect timing because he was on the Expanded podcast. And I had always had this vision of my life of being someone who was totally free, 
I like to think back on, you know, when I was like 14 and at my lowest point, you know, dealing with a ton of abuse, uh, had just developed an eating disorder of the person that I wanted to be and just trying to give her what she wanted. I just wanted to be a person who was free and financially abundant enough to just say like, fuck it, I'm going to go to this and this retreat for a week. And I had never taken a week off of work, but I saw that he was coming to the Riviera Maya. It was like 15 minutes from my apartment. So I was just like, I have to do this. I just know that I do. And it was $3,000, which is a lot of money. And I had never taken a week off, like I said. So I just, I was like, I'm taking a week off of work and I'm going to do this. And I'm just going to trust that the money is going to come back to me. So I booked it. My ego tried to sabotage me going the whole way. At one point, I even emailed them asking for a refund and they just never got back to me, which is such a blessing. So I I just, I did it. I went, it was so incredible. My heart opened in ways that I did not know possible. It was so over the top glamorous. Every day, you know, you wake up to the sunrise and meditate on the beach and it's, oh my God, like it's the Caribbean and it's so gorgeous. And then you meditate for eight hours and there's just incredible vegan food. I ate my weight in mangoes mm-hmm. and my room was overlooking the jungle and had this gorgeous hot tub overlooking the jungle. And I would just sit in the hot tub every night and eat mangoes and listen to the birds and it was the most romantic experience of my life. It was so sensual. That kind of opened me up to, okay, this needs to be my life all of the time. So I ended up uh, like a week or two after that manifesting an apartment at this like gorgeous condo hotel with ocean views and these dramatic hot tubs underneath waterfalls and this gorgeous grotto with palm trees and a hot tub. And it was just like the most over the top place I've ever been. And I lived there. And yeah, I I manifested that through this work and through Joe Dispenza, the word that I wanted to embody was a jungle princess. And I, I definitely feel like I got that. And both of those experiences were just things that I never thought would have been possible for me. And even that apartment that you manifested too, hadn't you seen like a real estate agent or something prior and they're like, oh, with your budget, you're never going to get something like that? Yes. She was so mean. (laughs) Um, I just, you know, like my therapist, I just fired her. I was like, I'm not part of your fear-based reality. So in my reality, I can't have that. Sorry that you don't agree. I didn't tell her this. I was way nicer. (laughs) But, (laughs) um, you know, that was the conversation that I had with myself. You know, as far as the money that I spent on Joe Dispenza, I did end up manifesting that money back. A few months later, I sold the lease on my car, which I'd been really procrastinating on. And then finally, I just did it. And I was shaming myself because I'd been so quote unquote lazy. And then at the moment in which I knew it was the right time to sell was in the middle of a used car shortage. So I actually, the company that bought my lease from me ended up sending me a check for $3,000. It was the exact money I'd spent on Joe Dispenza. And then totally random, Subaru sent me a check for $1,800. There was no explanation for why they sent me that money. It was just a check in the mail for $1,800 from Subaru. Was that the car that you had returned your lease of? Yes, yes. Wow. It, It feels like you're in such flow and so in your worth with so many things like that's why it's like such ease all of this coming through too yeah and ease has been one of the most important words to me through this process because I was so you know I was dealing with so much heavy trauma that I was working through and I was 
you know, traumatized and just dealing with a lot of health issues that I didn't want to do anything that was going to be more difficult. Like my work has been dealing with the trauma. My business has grown with basically no effort from me. I've never advertised my business. I've never pursued clients. People are just coming to me. My website ranks number three on Google for my keyword. That's totally the universe. I have no idea how to do SEO. I kind of set the standard and my website is actually Izzy Living because it's like a pun on my name. I just... I want my life to be easy after so much trauma. And I feel like having unpacked the trauma, it just flows easily now. What is the biggest tip you would give someone who is like, oh my gosh, I have a similar background or trauma background, or I totally resonate with feeling worthless or hating yourself. Now they're seeing where you're at now and they're like, oh, that's amazing. But like, how the hell do I get there? What would be your advice to them? Oh my God. I mean, if you would have told me two years ago that I would be living in Mexico, totally financially independent, making six figures, not working more than 35 hours a week, unless I feel like it, I wouldn't have been able to believe it because I couldn't see that. So I think my first thing would be to find expanders, which if you're listening, you're already doing. But for me, I had a folder on Instagram for two things. One was people who I knew were my expanders because I just, you know, they had something that I wanted. And then two, you know, as a manifesting generator, I can just feel in my body when I want something, I can't always articulate it. So as I would be scrolling through Instagram, if I would see a picture that would just like make my body feel something, I would save it into this folder and then go back at the end of the month and kind of be like, okay, what do all these pictures have in common? And that that gave me a better sense of what my soul was craving. And then, you know, two would just be just do the work consistently. You don't have, it's not going to be perfect every day. You know, I fall asleep or I think that I fall asleep in at least half of the DIs that I do. It doesn't have to look perfect. You know, I don't wake up at 5 a.m. and meditate. I'm not a size zero. I eat sugar. I'm not this like Instagrammable perfect idea of what a spiritual manifesting person looks like. And I don't live my life that way at all. You just have to show up and do it every day. And little by little, you'll start to unpack this. And then when it gets too heavy, seek professional help. And on top of that, I love Alexa Smart Flower Remedies. Those have helped me immensely unpack and just like purge as well some of these heavier stuck emotions. How did Unblock work? And then you've done other ones too. Like how, explain to someone who's never taken the remedies before what impact they had on you. Oh my goodness. Major plug for Alexa Smart right now. Yay, Alexis. <laughs> it's so good. Like I just, the first, again, you know, like I started those when I started this work and I just didn't believe that they could work <laughs> for me specifically, but also like, what is this little blue bottle going to do for me? And then I did In Love And on day three of In Love, I had a full meltdown, sobbing hysterically in the hot tub. And that's when my great-grandfather actually physically appeared to me and started speaking to me. So the remedies, you know, they work on a vibrational level. They're kind of like removing blockages energetically. And it just pairs so perfectly with this work because you're kind of doing it on like a mental, emotional level. And then the remedies help on an energetic level. And with Unblocked, it was so easy. Like I I didn't have any big emotional purges come through. It just like was almost like lubricant to my manifestations, if that makes sense. It just made everything flow so much easier. Totally. And it's interesting. I've been talking to a few friends and TBMers who have taken it. 
And some people, the first time they take it, it's like such awareness to their blocks and such clarity that they didn't have before or clarity on what they need to do or how they need to call something in. And then other people, maybe it's the second time taking it or maybe it's their first time taking it because they're already so unblocked. It's exactly what you said. It's like lubrication to the manifestations, super clarity. Things are coming through quickly. It's test this, pass, move, boom, boom, boom. And you have a manifestation. Yeah, that was my exact experience. Wholehearted is another one of my favorites. Unburden. Unburden really helped me get over a breakup that had been lingering. And I just spent a whole day in bed crying when I was on Unburden. Unburden is incredible. I've taken that when I felt like burnout from, you know, work or whatever it may be. When I'm pushing myself too hard, it's a little dose of vacation. (laughs) Oh my God, it's my favorite, I think. And then one other thing I wanted to just circle back to this idea that we were talking about of how our shadows are crafted to help us and support us. And I think that's so important for people to see their shadows in that way and to really sort of destigmatize your shadow pieces and understand that why were they created? Like, why are they there? Because they were serving some sort of a purpose. And if you can see that they were just sort of like a naive child looking out for you in some way, it's so much easier to integrate it. And I even like to do that too, sometimes with like really big emotions that come up. It's so funny when we first got on a call, you were talking about all these different parts of you that you integrate and let have voices. And for one of the first times I had been doing DIs, but in the shadow reinforcing one where it says like bring someone forward and have a conversation with them, I would be bringing forward my anger. And I'd be like, what's up, anger? Like, you know, I got jaw pain. Like, what are you so angry about? Like, here's the floor. And I'd let it have the floor. And it was never about anything I thought it was about, you know. And going into that hypnotic state in the DI, having those conversations with other parts of you, I feel like are so helpful and such a different way to get a healing. Yeah, it's transformative. And for me being you know, so programmed towards self-hatred, it was really hard for me to do shadow because I just had a lot of resentment towards these aspects of myself. And it was hard to integrate, even though I was like, you know, going through the DIs and visualizing it. I don't think it was reaching deep enough because I was just holding on to so much resentment against myself. But once I could see these aspects as serving not only a purpose in my life, but a divine purpose. Like my rebel princess, she's here for the liberation of mankind. Like she's she's not fucking around. She's here to get shit done. She's here to serve humanity. So once I was able to see it from that perspective, it allowed me to have so much more compassion and love for myself. And that's been critical in this journey of learning at first to even like myself and then eventually to love myself. And there was another thing that we had talked about, you know, earlier, but about this idea of once you're out of scarcity and survival and you are in abundance and you have financial freedom, then you can kind of get to a state of contribution and serving from such a different way. How has that come up for you? Yeah. So when I was working as a matchmaker, I was also working as a dating coach. And I I really just want to validate people listening that coaching is not for everyone. It did not feel aligned for me, but I was forcing myself to be a dating coach 
because I was so inundated with the message that that's the way to financial freedom and that if you want to help people, you have to be a coach. I was going to all of the master classes and blah, blah, blah. And it was just so not aligned for me. It did not feel good. But I couldn't see that there was another option for me to have the freedom and contribution and financial abundance that I wanted. Once I surrendered that and just said, I don't want to be a coach anymore, then that's when my business came through of supporting matchmakers and helping matchmakers find dates for their clients and helping people who don't want to be on dating apps find an alternative. And that feels so aligned and that's so rewarding for me. And, you know, once I was able to put down that expectation, all of this just kind of started to flow through for me. And, you know, like I was so codependent that it's really hard to be a coach or a matchmaker when you're struggling with codependency issues, because I just wanted to be needed by everyone to validate that I was allowed to exist and to be in this space. Now that I've dealt with that trauma and codependency, I can contribute, I think, in a lot more of an authentic way, because when you're codependent, you're very manipulative because you're trying to get everyone to validate you and to tell you that you deserve and you deserve to be there. So now my contribution comes from a much more integrous and authentic place. And I can charge what I believe that I'm worth, although, you know, it's, it's still a process. And yeah, it's, it's just more, more real and more impactful, of course, because I'm not coming from a dog paddling codependent place. I love that. I think there's so many, even any entrepreneur out there who's putting themselves out as their own business or running their own business or having to be sort of that more public facing voice or whatever it may be. We get so many questions of people like, you know, I'm scared to be seen, but I have this yoga practice or I'm scared to be seen, but I have this art studio or whatever it may be. And I think such a big part of integrating that being seen is seeing yourself and not needing anyone else to see you in a certain way, because there's going to be a million of opinions from people across the board. And if you can show up and see yourself in the mirror and feel love, compassion, you know, excitement towards that person, then being seen by others is going to just come through with ease. Yeah. And that's what this work has given me is the ability to see myself And when you do see yourself and love yourself and accept yourself, that's an invitation to everyone around you, not only to love you and see you, but also to do the same for themselves. Okay. Ending note, can you share with us one thing that you would tell your inner child to help soothe or comfort her? I I actually visualize this a lot going back to that 14-year-old that was so lost and distressed and abused. It's just like, it gets better. You know, once you turn 18, everything changes, of course, because you have some level of freedom, but the struggles that you're going through are only here to serve you and to build your spiritual and psychological resilience for the work that you came to this planet to do. Love that. Thank you so much, Isabel. This has been so beautiful and I know it's going to be so expansive for everyone. Thank you so much for sharing so openly and honestly about your journey and so excited to see all the things you're going to manifest next. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a privilege to be able to contribute to the community because, you know, it's really given me so much as well. Thank you. Bye guys.
And since it is the end of the month, we have our new five-star review winner. This month's winner is Sarah Lubel, L-U-I-B-E-L. Please contact us on the intercom button on our webpage, or you can email hi at tobemagnetic.com to claim your one-year free membership to The Pathway. Manifesting the power in self-love. I found Lacey's work through the Mark Gross podcast and have been changed ever since. I was going through a toxic breakup, burnout at work, and in lack mentality when it came to money. Through her podcast and the work I do with The Pathway, I've been able to manifest everything I've wanted and more. I manifested my dream partner, was all 49 things on my list, a new job up level, and have been calling in money this past year, even during the pandemic. This work is more than just calling in things that you want. It's about unlearning everything that is casting shadows in your life. It is about reforming the relationship you have with yourself and your deep-rooted belief in what you are worthy of. I love this review and I love the full almost 360 change that this person has caused in so many pieces of their life between breakup, work, lack mentality, and just overall self-worth and their dedication to the process and really cultivating that self-love first, which lays in tandem and lets everything else trickle out from there. So congratulations, Sarah. I'm so excited to have you in the pathway. If you guys want to submit to be September's winner, leave us a five-star review of how this work has impacted you and how you've gone on to manifest through the process. Have a beautiful weekend, everyone. Bye.